Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Bruja Temple. My gods and goddesses, I am Ami Sage. I am that Bruja. Today we are talking about other gods and goddesses and witches and all this other stuff because no matter what the Bible may say and how Christians are going to point out how you must you mustn't suffer a witch to live. I cannot go into any description on, on translations, but basically show you verses that says otherwise. That could show contradictory to the religious belief. Now last time I had wrote word for word on what I wanted to say, um, and it kind of made me tongue-tied and frustrated, so I'm just going to go the ADHD way and get at it. Okay, I got all this stuff down here, um, at least verses. And if you want to take notes so you are well equipped, um, for those who worship other gods, have other Patreons, deities, um, however, um, please feel free to um, take some notes because we're diving in this. And I was thinking what better way to dive into other gods than to basically tell my story, part of my story. My story is very long and I could write a book about it, probably be the bestseller. Um, but who knows? Um, me separating from the Christian faith was something that I never thought I would ever do. I was devoted. I was, I was in it. My studies were primarily, what does this verse say? What does this verse mean? I was going to whatever church I can. I actually got involved in a church and became a youth leader. Um, I can't say pastor because I never had papers, but I am actually officially a reverend now. I could marry people. Um, so, yay me. Um, but I was a youth leader. I was very devoted. And um, I was in fear of steering away from this belief system. But the thing that really got me is the fact that no matter what, I would sit in these churches... I would teach the kids and, and the way I taught the kids, I think that's why I got kicked out of the church because I taught them to think and, and to connect with God, um, themselves. Just a side note there. Um, I never felt as though what I was doing was ever enough because I, I would go to these churches, stand up during worship service worship Jesus, which I don't think anybody should ever be worshiping a savior, a sacrifice, a lamb, you know, um, that's kind of, you know, not right. Um, uh, anyways, I, I felt there's a, there was something that I was missing and I was, I was doing what the pastors were telling me to do. I was doing this, I was doing that in order to volunteer to be a youth leader or anything like that, I had to tithe. So I've had to pay them to let me, you know, volunteer. But I just felt like there was something missing. And no matter how hard I tried, I, I was missing something. And uh, I remembered in high school, I really loved the story of Buddha. The, the first Buddha. How he was locked up from suffering and, and not seeing anything suffer and when him and his friends snuck out and they saw someone suffer. And the whole thing was his, his dad's, you know, told him, asked the monk about oh, my son. He goes, either, you know, he's going to be a great leader or the greatest monk. And the dad didn't want him to be a monk. So he locked him up. 
so he would not see any suffering. But once Buddha saw, I, and I can't pronounce Buddha's real name, but once he saw suffering, his whole world changed. He took everything materialistic out of his ears, the gauges in his ears, everything, and he went to find answers. I got kicked out of my house at 18, and my finding answers was kind of shoved on me and still lost until, uh, I want to say about eight, nine, ten years ago, somewhere around there. But getting back to the point, okay, so I got into Buddhism, but I still held on to this belief that there was something in this Bible that I still needed to look at. So when I changed my status on Facebook, when it was, and when I was still heavily involved in Facebook, I changed my religious belief to a Buddhist Christian, which actually was, is a thing. Look it up. I followed a lot of the paths of Buddhism and the practices. I was, I was, I was starting to learn it. Um, didn't get too much into it because of where I was living, but I started to get into Buddhism and I, I posted up there and one of my relatives decided to comment on that update with a verse saying you you cannot worship two masters now i was very uneducated about this this particular verse but i did advocate and be like look buddhism is a practice it's not a worship of a god for even buddha said do not worship me you must find your own salvation he said do not worship me i am not a god you must find your own salvation and it, it, i highlight your own so whatever you feel safe and at peace with, that is your own salvation. So in learning this verse, it is in Matthew six twenty four. You cannot serve two masters, God and money, for you will hate one and love the other, or else the other way around. This is something that you you have to see is nothing to do with another belief system or another god or another deity or an entity okay so i guess i tracked here and there but uh, you know when i read bible verses um i look up the beginning and the end um like a few verses ahead let me read the few verses ahead and this is kind of something that i've also seen um, especially if you use a certain phrase and one word that is not plural, um, shows where the, you, you know, the spirit is and how things should, let, let me just read it. It goes, Matthew six nineteen. don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode away and may be stolen. Store them in heaven where they will never lose their value and are safe from thieves. If your prophets are in heaven, your heart will be there too. Now that verse is something that I really, you know, when I read this next verse, it's the same thing. It, it is the same thing, okay? Because people say your heart is where your soul is, right? Listen. If your eye is pure, there will be sunshine in your soul. But if your eye is cloudy, it will evil thoughts and desires. You are in, deep in deep spiritual darkness. And oh, how deep the darkness can be. 
And then it talks about money. So the verses before and the verses after this is about two masters being God and money. But I really wanted to highlight that I. The spiritual awakening that is happening in this world now, whether people are putting it as a persona or not, they're talking about an I, a singular I, the third I. When it talked about storing your treasures up in heaven, you have to remember even in the, you know, this is stuff you could use against the Christians. God, uh, Christ said that the kingdom of God is within. So where does God live? He lives in heaven. Kingdom of God, heaven is within. So when it talks about that singular eye being pure, sunshine will throughout your soul. There will be sunshine throughout your soul, your heart, your passion. You'll start caring for others by seeking within. Okay, and a lot of these religious you know, beliefs are seeking within. Being a destruction of your flesh and understanding you cannot judge by the flesh. Okay, so we are going to jump into Genesis 11 now. Um, and we're going to talk about these other deities, these other gods, and I, how in their book, in this Christian book, comes about other gods. Genesis 11 talks about the Tower of Babel. If you read verse 1 all the way down through verse 9, it talks about many um, people welded together. A lot of people, especially if you read the children's version of the story, it talks about how they wanted to reach God. And that wasn't the case. For the actual scripture says... In verse 3, the people who lived there began to talk about building a great city with a temple tower reaching the skies, a proud, eternal monument to themselves. This will weld us together, they said, and keep us from scattering all over the world. So they made great piles of hard burnt bricks and collected bitmen to use as mortar. But when God came down to see the city and the tower of mankind made, he said, Look, if they are able to accomplish all these, when they have just begun to exploit their linguistic and political unity, just think what they can do later. Nothing will be unattainable for them. Come, let us tear down them and give them different languages so they won't know each other's words. So what baffles me about this is the, the linguistic and political unity that apparently these people had. Now, there was no politics in that time. So what was the political unity that they had was basically one belief in one God in this, in this belief system. So when God came down, and let's restart reading uh, at 11, chapter 11 of Genesis, verse 8. So in that way, God scattered them all over the earth, and that ended the building of the city. That is why the city is called Babel, meaning confusion. Because it was where, there where Jehovah confused them by giving many different languages, thus widely scattering them across the face of the earth. Now this absolutely baffles me because 
if there's one God, if there's one entity, and in my belief, my opinion, my belief, not everybody has to believe the same way I do, is that there is one source of all creation. And whether the world is created or had evolution, I think it could be both. You know, some entity, some energy started all of this and evolution happened and, and boom, bang, here we are. Okay. I believe all things are possible. That's just me. But the thing of it is, is if this almighty being in the Bible, and this is what I was questioning is like, what happened to everybody else? If mankind is the apple of God's eye, why would he scatter everybody all across the face of the earth and only strictly communicate with those in the Middle East? Those people who became the lineage of Christ, the beginning of Christians. Now I'm not talking about the people who actually followed Christ's law that the Roman Catholic Church killed. I don't remember that, that community name, but um, there's people who actually lived as Christ lived and the Roman Catholic Church didn't like that, so they killed them all. Um, that is for somebody who is in higher educational on this than me, but I, you, I know you've heard of them. So, um, that, so basically this is a discovery for me that the political views of mankind are more of the the religious beliefs that we have today. We have uh, Republicans and Democrats basically fighting over, oh, I'm a Christian. No, I'm a better Christian than you. Many different Christian denominations that are out there, um, and they're not in unity in their own belief. Personally, I do not think anybody has to agree with everybody else's belief. You find a way of worshiping a God. If you wish to worship a God, then, then so be it. But don't go into other people's area and say you're doing it wrong. For example, Jeremiah 44. Starting at first, verse 15. Now I'm going to read this out. This is about the Queen of Heaven. Okay, This is Jeremiah going in um, to a group of people who are worshipping the Queen of Heaven. And the outcome of this is very baffling. And it doesn't make sense to what uh, they, Jeremiah ends up telling them. So... We're going to start at verse 15. Then all the women present and all the men who knew their wives had burnt incense to idols. It was a great crowd of the Jews in the southern Egypt, answered Jeremiah. We will not listen to your false messages from God. We will not. We will do whatever we want. To. We burn incenses to the Queen of Heaven and sacrifice to her as much as we like, just as we did, just as we and our fathers did before us, and our kings and our princes, prince has done before the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. For in those days we had plenty to eat, and we were well off and happy. But, now this is something I want you to remember, but ever since we quit burning incenses to the Queen of Heaven, and stopped worshiping her, we have been in great trouble and have been destroyed by sword and famine. This, this I find interesting this because, you know, apparently they had stopped worshiping the queen of heaven and they have not been blessed. Their land has not been blessed. They've been uh, slaughtered and killed by sword and famine. Okay. 
Oh, no, let's highlight some of this. And the women added, Do you suppose that we are worshipping the Queen of Heaven and pouring out our liberations to her and make cakes for her with the image on, of the, on them without our husbands knowing it and helping us? Of course not. Then Jeremiah said to all of them, men and women alike, who had given them the answer, now, now, this is really confusing. Okay, let's highlight. Remember, when they stopped worshipping the Queen uh, of Heaven, they were trouble, destroyed by sword and famine. Let's highlight that. Do you think the Lord God doesn't know that you and your fathers and your kings and princes and all the people are burning incense to idols in the city of Judea and the streets of Jerusalem? It is because he could no longer bear the evil things you were doing that he made your land desolate and incredible ruins without any inhabitation as it is today. It is the very reason there is trouble. Things have fallen before you because you have burnt incenses and sinned against the Lord and refused to obey him. That is complete, I guess, gaslighting? Really? Because they already said since they stopped doing it, they have been desolate and having famine and being killed by sword. Like what what is said in that verse and, and this and this again this is Jeremiah forty four, fifteen through twenty three. They said that since we quit burning incenses to the Queen of Heaven and stopped worshiping her, we have been in great trouble. But then Jeremiah turns it around and goes, no, 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 my God did that. No, you're just taking credit to try and scare them into your belief. This is gaslighting altogether. All I mean, seriously, that is, is gaslighting because they've already said why they're famine and why they're being destroyed by swords. I'm just baffled by this and I wanted to share it because it was of a different worship of an idol, of, of a queen of heaven, which a lot of people can also say that this is actually God's wife. That's for a whole nother story. But we have many different people all across the world worshiping many different gods in many different ways. And some people are just even caring for themselves. I mean, why not? Um, I do. Um, and I know the essence of everything is love. And my belief is to love. I am an ominous witch who loves, who helps out. So what do we do when um, these Christians would throw out the whole, oh, that's the Old Testament that doesn't count. Here's where you start writing some scripture. Um, first and foremost, when they talk about your crystals and stuff like that, a lot of um, Christians will actually use Deuteronomy 18 about witches and fortune tellers and all this other stuff. But all in all, that is the same line of work as the nine gifts of the spirit, which is giving wise advice, studying and teaching, special faith, power to heal, power to do miracles, prophecy and preaching, which is basically fortune telling. Prophecy is fortune telling. Uh, knowing of evil spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. 
Now, I did a video on TikTok about speaking in tongues um, and how if you go to a church and they just speak in some sort of random language and there's no interpretation of it, leave that church. Because there has to be interpretation of it or it should never have been spoken out loud. Okay, continuing on. So, Exodus 28 talks about uh, the crystals. Exodus 28, 15 through 21. You can sit there and utilize the crystals. Study those crystals um, that was put in uh, Aaron's cloth. It was supposed to represent the 12 tribes. Okay. Um, so crystals are in the book. Um, there's many different verses on crystals. I'm not going to get into all of it. Um, but Proverbs 8, Lamentations, Job, Exodus, Revelations, Revelations, and Ezekiel. Um, wisdom is not able to be bought by any crystal. Okay, they, they mention crystals and how valuable, valuable it is in many different aspects, but it's not to be bought. Bought. Alright, so when you talk about many different religious beliefs and how people say Jesus is the one way, true way, and only way, in some cases to other people they that it's true. In other cases, people think that that is what gives them peace, that it, that is all good for them. But sometimes it's not the case. So we're going to use some uh, verses here to help people um, in this Christian faith understand that sometimes you just have to step back. And no, you shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be putting people down in that way. Okay. In Romans 2, 12 through 15, it talks about sin and how God will punish sin wherever it is found. He will punish the heathens when they sin. And yes, I know all you heathens are going, no, he won't. Let's just hear this out. In their book, it says God will punish the heathens when they sin even though they never had God's written laws, for down in their hearts they know right from wrong. God's laws are written within them, and their own consciousness accuses them or sometimes excuses them. Basically saying, if I go through life being this uh, gender-fluid queer that I am, and I embrace it, and I feel so so much at peace with myself I am still doing right because my conscience would condemn me that is what the guilty feeling is if you if you lie and you know it's not a good time to lie it's not a good you know you're, you're gonna have this consciousness okay and we talked about this uh, last week when Adam and Eve ate from the tree they they felt more guilty about being naked than they did about disobeying them disobeying never came into the picture. It was them being naked that they were ashamed of. But they never thought once, oh, I disobeyed God. Keep that in mind. So basically, whether or not the Christian God is the one only God, knowing right from wrong and doing right from wrong is, is written in everybody's hearts. Okay, and by whatever deity we want to worship or, or, or tend to or if any at all, if we are peaceful in our hearts, our consciousness will, will accuse us or excuse us. 
And then they want to talk about how, let's see, how idol worship. You heard of idol worship. Many Christians don't know how to act when people say, oh, there's other gods out there. Okay, so you show them Genesis 11, you show them Romans 2, 12 through 15. Also show them 1 Corinthians 8. Okay, and, and the thing is, I could go more deep into this, but the few verses that you know will shut them down. Like, I honestly say, and I'm not trying to say this just to get a bunch of Christians on my TikTok to to try and fight me on things, but I have yet to have anybody come and fight me on these things because it's in their book. And how are you going to fight me if it's in your book? So, and I know this is a longer one than last week. Okay. Like I said, I, I wrote down last week's and I just read through it. This is more about, you know, how am I going to describe this to people? Okay. Um, before I get into Genesis eight, not Genesis eight, ah, first Corinthians eight. Let's talk about the powers. God gives the many different different abilities. Okay, this is for like the witches and stuff like that. Okay, Every, all of this is witches and other gods and all the sorts of stuff. The special abilities that we have are not given to just every everybody who believes in in Christ. Okay, this isn't you know only Christ power. Um, there was a TikTok I, I stitched, and they were saying that the only way to be saved is if you are baptized and speaking in the Holy Spirit. That is not true. Um, read First Corinthians 12. Um, I would read the whole thing because it talks about a lot of those who um, have gifts. And the prophecy is fortune telling, seeing things. Seeing evil spirits is another thing. Not everybody is going to have the same gift. Not everybody, you know, because that, what good is that? Those who have the power to heal, go heal. Those who have the power to teach, go teach. And it's not badgering and beating a Bible over somebody's head. It's, it's teaching them how to love themselves, accept themselves, etc. So if you want to know about the, the gifts of the Spirit, I would go to 1 Corinthians 12. But I really want to highlight, uh, in closing, um, 1 Corinthians 8. Now we talk about many different um, gods and goddesses and many different ways of worship. Um, in my live the other day, we talked about how most of worship involves food. Um, this is still in closing, but I'm going to go over to Romans 14. Where, like, honestly, write these, these, these chapters down, okay? And, and read them for yourself. I don't care what you believe. Uh, Romans 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 8, Genesis 11, uh, Jeremiah 44. Um, get to know these verses. Get to know these chapters. Um, Romans 14 it starts out with this. Give a warm welcome to any brother who wants to come and join you, even if his faith is weak. Do not criticize him for having different ideas from yours about what is right and wrong. For instance, do not argue with him whether or not to eat meat that has been offered to idols. You may believe there is no harm in this, but the faith of others is weaker 
They think it is wrong and will go without any meat at all and eat vegetables rather than any eat that kind of meat. Those who think it is right to eat such meat may not look down upon those who won't. Now what's really funny is this whole chapter is in Romans, but yet we're going to find it in the same statement in 1 Corinthians. Give me a second here. So, verse 10 in Romans 14. So you have no right to criticize your brother or look down upon them. Remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. Verse 13, do not criticize each other anymore. Instead, try to live in such a way that you will never take, you will never make your brother stumble or by letting him see you do something he thinks is wrong. Okay, tempting somebody to do something because you feel oh it's it, it's okay God said so is wrong it even says it down here um, in verse 20 same Romans 14 just read the whole thing of Romans 14 okay um, we'll go up to 15 14 verse 15 and if your brother is bothered by what you eat you are not acting in love if you go ahead and eat it, do not let your eating ruin somebody's, somebody for whom Christ died. Don't do anything that will cause criticism, criticism against you, even though you know what you, you're doing is right. If it feels right for you, it's right for you. If it doesn't feel right for anybody else, do not sit there and force them to do it. Being raised in the church, being raised by a Bible thumper, being forced to do something, that's what I was feeling was wrong. I don't believe the Bible is the absolute word of God. And we could get into that in another time. I'm actually extending the time from before. Excuse that part because um, I got to put this on do not disturb next time. I was forced to believe something that I don't really feel comfortable in believing. And that is pushing people into their in, into sin. If I don't feel comfortable doing something, if I don't feel it's right, that is sin. Let's go up to Romans um, 14.23. But anyone who believes that something he wants to do is wrong shouldn't do it. He sins if he does, for he thinks it is wrong, and for so for him it is wrong. Anything that is done apart from what he feels is right is sin. Going to church and worshiping, though I was obsessed with it, I still felt there was something wrong. There was something missing. And after departing from the church and that way and thinking for myself critically and understanding, yes, there, there's a possibility of a trinity, but in a different form. That there's a Christ consciousness and everything is within and all the power of healing, all the magic of, of miracles is within. My belief system is my own, and I do not force anybody to believe the same way I do. I present scripture to help those who have different belief systems. So, Romans 14. Now I'm going to conclude with this whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 8. Please bear with me. I hope this goes well. Um... And yes, some of the wording in here kind of makes it feel like us people uh, who give to idols, uh, to give offerings and acknowledge other gods are weaker. 
But of course, a book who is supposed to represent the Christians are going to make them look like they're stronger. Okay, so let's keep that in mind, okay? 1 Corinthians 8. Next, is your question about eating food that has been sacrificed to idols? On this question, everyone feels that the only his answer is right. But although, but although being a know-it-all makes us feel important, what is really needed to build the church is love. Let's really highlight that. A lot of Christians are acting like know-it-alls. If anyone thinks he knows all the answers, he is just showing his ignorance. But the person who truly loves God is the one who is open to God's knowledge. So now, what about it? Should we eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? Well, we all know that the idol is not a real God, and that there is only one God and no other. Like I said, this is a book based on Christian values and uplifting them, okay? But, but hear, hear it out, hear it out, okay? According to some people, there is a great many gods, both in heaven and on earth. But we know that there is only one God, the Father, who created all things. These, this is coming from non-open-minded people. And made us to be his own. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, who made everything and gives us life. However, now, now the wording here is absolutely amazing here. Listen. However, some Christians don't realize this. All their lives they have been used to thinking of idols as alive and have believed that the food offered to the idols were is really being offered to actual gods. So when they eat such food, it bothers them and hurts their tender consciousness. Just remember that God doesn't care whether we eat it or not. We are no worse off if we don't eat it, and no better off if we do. Now I'm going to stop there and really highlight the point that we're... In the beginning of all that, it says... That, however, some Christians don't realize this. This chapter really highlights everybody as Christians. Because in Romans it talks about, it, it was the same thing of idols and meats and all that other stuff, whom which Christ died for. Regardless of whether we believe in it, it already says that it, we, your God already died for it. So we could, you know, like, if we feel comfortable and content doing what we're doing, leave us alone. We'll continue here. I'm at verse 9. 1 Corinthians 8, 9. But be careful not to use your freedom to eat it, lest you cause some Christian brother to sin whose consciousness is weaker than yours. Now again, as those who Christians follow this Bible, their arrogance is higher. Okay? Uh, see? This is what is, may happen. Someone who thinks it is wrong to eat this food will see you eating at the temple restaurant, for you know that there's no harm in it. Then he will become bold enough to do so, too, although at the same time feeling it is wrong. So because you know it is all right to do, you will damage the brother, uh, you will be responsible for causing great spiritual damage to a brother whose tender consciousness for whom Christ died. Another, for whom Christ died. Within the, Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8, both basically stated, even heathens are who what Christ died for. Okay? And this is how you should act towards the people who believe differently than you. Okay? Because even in this chapter, heathens are called Christians as well. 
because if you looked at Romans 2, 12 through 15, the, apparently God's law is written on our hearts. And this is how I combat these Christians, okay? Um, where was I? Okay. And it is a sin against Christ to sin against your brother by encouraging him, him to do something he thinks is wrong. So if eating meat offered to idol, idols are going to make my brother sin, I will not eat any of it as long as I live, because I do not want to do that to him. So the brother he's talking about is basically somebody who believes in another God, giving uh, offerings up, and yet he still calls him a brother in Christ. Okay? And this is how Christians should behave, and it's actually in their book to teach you to behave that way. But Christians don't want to see that. Okay? Regardless if I say I'm a Christian or not, which I'm not, okay, my faith is in my path of spirituality, giving into idols or whatever that I, I, I do whatever my spirit guides me to. But there's two chapters just there, Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8, indicating that the heathens are still your brothers and sisters in Christ. For Christians to believe that we are not combined together just because of our belief system is different shows shows tremendous uh, arrogance, really. There's so much out of this book that can basically change the way the church, the Christian church is now. If you want to believe Jesus died for your sins, go ahead. But I do not worship a sacrifice. I don't. I give honor to the sacrifice. And if you read carefully, it's John 3, 16, it says, For whoever believeth in him shall not perish. And the Christ consciousness is believing, if you believe in somebody, you're going to follow them. You're going to do what they do. They're going to, you're going to do what they tell you to do because you believe in them. You're not going to believe that he died to take away your sins because it's still going to be there. We talked about what sin is last week. And we'll, we could get more in on it. But understanding that in the New Testament tells people how to treat others who believe differently. And yet we have pastors out here wanting to um, unalive witches, LGBTQIA, anybody who disagrees with them. I have a verse for you. So we can really conclude this in Romans 3, 14. For all those pastors and Christians out there who call on uh, unaliving people and being hateful. Romans 3.14 Their mouths are full of cursing bitterness. They are quick to kill, hating anyone who disagrees with them. Wherever they go, they live miser misery and trouble behind them, and they have never known what it is to feel secure or enjoy God's blessing. This is talking about leaders of the law, the Jewish people. You have pastors wanting to alive people, and yet the whole book of Romans have talked about loving others. First Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, 
Never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to them no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. The churches show no love, and I stand against that. And I stand to have truth ring out. I thank you for sticking with me. This has been a, the longest one. I know it's the second one I've done, but um, there's so much more that we are going to do within this podcast. And I hope you utilize it, share it, and um, be at peace with it. May the spirits guide you and keep you. Until next time, know you are loved. I love you.